Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. So this morning I want to start, we started a couple weeks ago, um, it really wasn't supposed to be a series, but we went ahead and made it a series called Doctrine Matters. How many know Doctrine Matters? And it matters for a lot of different reasons. And maybe your reason is different than my reason or different than someone else's reason. I believe that doctrine matters because if we have a skewed view of God, then it doesn't allow us to walk in the fullness of sonship, of who he's called us to be. And so, you know, through my journey with Jesus, following Jesus, learning what Father's about, learning to hear the voice of Holy Spirit, I found that my beliefs have changed. How about yours? I mean, Chuck, you and I, we've talked a lot about how much our beliefs have changed. You've been following Jesus for, what, 40 years plus? But things just, they shift and they move. And, and I think that's a natural process that should happen. If we're not growing, if we're not learning, if we're not maybe seeing new things in different ways, then I think there's an issue. We should all be growing. Now, we don't grow outside of Christ. It's all in Christ. Amen. But it's just, it's important what we believe. And so I think even the apostles and Jesus were trying to get us to a place and really saying to us, doctrine matters. What you believe about God, this world, others, it really matters. And so I want to continue in this flow today. But I want to talk about something that's not always easy. Because again, when we talk about doctrine, we're talking about what? We're talking about the different ways that we view theology, the different ways that we view doctrine, our ideas about God, and even religion. And again, I really hope that you've been getting something from this. I hope that, you know, even some of the things that I've said, maybe it's helped shift you. Now, for some of you, maybe it's a reminder, because maybe you've shifted a lot in the last few months or few years, and I think that's great. But I think it's important that we continue this today, and I'm hoping that in this area that we're talking about, if you struggle at all, that you see maybe light at the end of the tunnel. Maybe you see a different way to, to view this, Maybe your paradigm will shift enough that you go, okay, now this makes sense to me. So today's title is this, to give or not to give, that is the question. Say that with me, to give or not to give, that is the question. Now last week, I should have went with these titles every week, I didn't. You know, we had a different one that was a to blank or not to blank, but I do think that this week, it's important that we, we discuss this topic about giving. Now, whenever, you know, we talk about giving, I, I know because of the past, I would say several thousand years, at least a couple thousand years since the birth of the church, there have been some pretty manipulative and controlling practices when it comes to this thing called giving, or let's just call it what it is, money. Say money. money. I can't believe you just said money in church. But, but I think that because the church has maybe had these these negative marks on us, whether it be, you know, the buying and selling of indulgences, right? Several hundred years ago, all the way up to the point where we had, you know, TV preachers who were scamming people for money. Maybe fear of the end times and getting you to invest in the newest product they had so you could hunker down. Or uh, maybe just twisting scriptures around in such a way that guilt you and shame you and, and make you feel like you have to give, and because of those things and those scenarios and those things happening, I think sometimes as soon as a preacher starts talking about money, we start to grab a little tighter to our purse or our wallet, don't we? But I want you to know that that's not my heart. 
See, generosity is something that is kingdom-wide. It's part of the kingdom. And it's not just about money, right? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm a firm believer in giving. I totally believe in giving. My wife and I give. We have for years and years and years. We don't stop. And it's not just to our local church. We give in so many different ways. I've said it before, then, and probably more times than I can even count, but we all have the three T's, right? The three T's. And let me say this. Those three T's may vary in percentages or how much you have to give. And those three T's are what? Time, talent, and treasure. And so there's been times in my life where I've had more time than I've had treasure. How about you? Or maybe vice versa. You're working so much, you got more treasure, but you don't have a lot of time. Or maybe you had to develop more in a talent. But we all have these three things that we can bring together, we can use, not just in the local church, but in the world around us. In the area, the, the sphere of influence that we have in our lives where God has placed us. And I believe that we're built to be generous, just like our Heavenly Father. How about you? And we're meant to give what he has given or blessed us with. But again, I also know when you begin to talk like this, especially as a preacher, people can kind of tense up. And I don't want you to tense up this morning. That is not my heart at all. I'm not here to manipulate you, to, to take anything from you. So just stick with me this morning as we get into this. To give or not to give, that is the question. So let's take a look at something that Jesus says in the Gospel of Luke. Let's turn to Luke chapter 16. Now, Jesus here, he's just finished up with this parable called the crooked manager. It's a really good parable. I've taught on this at least once or twice. Uh, Pretty powerful parable. I I think when you really begin to dig into the parables parables of Jesus, and especially if you can understand the the timing and the time frame of the era, I should say, that he was in, it's really awesome. But he also talks about this idea of being faithful or being dishonest with money. So let's pick up here in uh, verse 13 of chapter 16, the Gospel of Luke. He says, No servant can be the slave of two masters. Such a servant will hate one and love the other, or will be loyal to one and despise the other. Now look at this next statement, very famous. Jesus says, You cannot serve both God and money. How many have heard this before? Put those hands up online. You cannot serve both God and money. Today is not about how you should give to your local church. That's not the specific thing we're talking about. We're not going to go through five steps to better finances. We're not going to set you up with the Dave Ramsey budget. But let me say this. Budgets are essential for generosity. You ever been in those situations in life where you saw uh, something you know, come up or, or, or need at hand and you really wanted to give and do something, but you didn't have the money to do it? That's where a budget's smart. See, when you're telling your money what to do rather than your money telling you what to do, Usually, in most cases, you'll have a little extra there. So when those opportunities come up, whether it's in the local church, a friend, a neighbor, at work, however it is, there's time, talent, time, talent and treasure, especially budgeting when it comes to money. But how many of us, sometimes we can learn to budget our time better. We can learn to budget our talent better, spend time developing those things and those gifts that we've been given. But a lot of times, we've desired to give towards something or someone, but you just don't have the extra to do so. Today, I simply want to talk about this idea of generosity. Say that with me, generosity. Say it again, generosity. It's this idea that we should give, right? Or 
should we not give? That's the question, especially when it comes to finances. And I believe that there's two sides of the coin here, especially when we talk about finances or money in the church. And when it comes to religion, one tells you that you need to give every single time any money comes into your hands. And then those same people, they'll give you exact percentages that you need to give. How many have been there? Been there, done that. But see, on the other side, we have many who say, well, God already gave and his grace is so big that I don't have to give. It really doesn't matter because guess what? God doesn't need my money anyway. But here's the problem with both scenarios. I think we go so far to one side or the other, we end up in the ditch and we end up doing nothing or we end up trying to do everything. On one side, we're trying to prove to God and be okay with God, which by the way, is already done. You don't have to prove yourself. But on the other side, we're like, well, I, I don't have to do anything. His grace is so abundant. But then we end up in the ditch on the other side. And see, it's this road called the kingdom. We're supposed to walk this road together. And I think we need to say, okay, maybe there's a different way than I, I have to give out of obligation or manipulation or control or else. Or I don't have to do anything anymore because God's grace is so abundant. I think there's somewhere in the middle that we can find this morning. So I want to look at this in Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 19. The writer says this, a feast is made for laughter and wine makes merry. Look at this, but money answers everything. (laughs) Can you believe that's in the Bible? Money answers everything. I think back, I used to I used to lay there. I used to lay there when I was younger, especially, and I would just dream about what would I do if I had a million dollars. Anyone ever done this? Like maybe you're like a million's not enough. I dream about ten million or twenty million. But for me, I was just like, man, what would I do if I had a million dollars? And I will say this: that my ideas have changed a lot in in all these years that I've grown. Like if I literally had a huge sum of money come into my hands, I would treat it completely differently now than I would have 10 or 20 or 30 years ago for sure. Because my heart has shifted to where money is necessary. I mean, he says right here, it answers everything. I mean, how many have bills they like to pay? Yeah, it's nice to pay the bills, right? But I'm at a place where I don't need so much that it's stingy or greedy. I mean, we've come to this place where we realize even Kristen and I realize that we don't need a lot. Of course, we have some extra desires, but I think we'd be smarter with that amount of money. But I used to lay there and think about that because that amount of money would answer a lot of questions. I mean, that's what the writer says, right? It would answer a lot of wants and desires and needs. And what I love about this verse is what it says about money. Money isn't bad. Money is neutral, isn't it? Money is just a, it's a tool. It's something we use to give and to purchase and all these things. It's just a tool, but money isn't bad. It's simply neutral. But Jesus says this, he says, you cannot serve both God and money. You see, there's a difference between money as a tool and money as a God. Can I get one amen in this Presbyterian church this morning? But, but, there, but there is a difference, Right? And so I believe that's what Jesus, that's what the apostles were dealing with here. I I think if we really were to boil this verse down, and this isn't scholarly or anything, this is maybe my opinion, but we could look at it like this. Serving God equals walking in love. If God is the God of your life, then you'll know this, especially 
Because you look at your life, it's a life that you walk out in love. You're always looking out for the best interest of others before yourself, benefiting others at the expense of self. I mean, this is the life that Jesus led. I mean, he, he benefited us so far to the expense of self that he died on a cross. He gave his very life for us. How many know Jesus was a giver? Even up into giving his life. So serving God, to me, really, when I, when I view it correctly, I believe, through the lens of Jesus, it's walking in love. Whereas serving money, or if that's your God, serving money is self-serving. It's serving self. It's, we talked about it last week, walking according to the flesh. Those fleshly desires. Now, don't mix this up with Pastor Andy says you can't have anything nice. If you want a new TV, guess what? Black Friday's coming up. Get a nice TV. If you can afford it, if it's in the budget, right? So I'm not saying we can't have anything, but, but does that thing have you? Let me say it like this. There's not an issue of us having money, but it certainly becomes an issue when money has us, right? We are called and created to love others just like our Father. We are created in his image and likeness. And I think sometimes, because we don't see that, maybe we think we're less than, then we don't find ourselves walking out what he's called us to walk out, what the gifts and the talents and the treasure he's already put into us. We don't even feel some of us worthy enough to do those things because we're still so caught up in, is God okay with me? (laughs) That's just side note, not even in my notes, but we need to see that God is already okay with you. I use these examples all the time, but I'm telling you, for me, becoming a father, becoming a parent changed everything for me. Because I can be completely unhappy. I can be angry at my child's choices, what they've done. But I love them. Their status never changes in my family. I don't kick my child out of the family. But when they're doing things that I know are hurting them, what do I do? I bring in proper discipline. What is proper discipline? It's not punishment for your past. It's training for your future. So I utilize those opportunities most of the time in a decent way where I'm training them for their future. Now, of course, I'm a human dad, so I've messed up. I've raised my voice. I've said things I shouldn't say. And guess what? I've, I can't even count the number of apologies I've had to issue to my children. And I think that's a, a healthy thing to do to keep their heart. But again, that discipline is necessary. And I believe that when Jesus says this, he's like, listen, if you're walking in love, serving God, your life will be better than if you're serving yourself and walking according to the flesh. Don't let money, don't let mammon, don't let things become your God to the point where you serve them, you worship them. It's the most important thing in your life. And what I've found, because I've been there, is anyone else without a show of hands, think about this. Have you ever been there? I've had to deal with this. I've had to deal with if I just had more money, more money, more money. If I just had more stuff, you know, maybe a status thing, maybe some uh, insecurities I had in my own life, thinking this would bring me a sense of status or belonging or okayness. But it's, there's such freedom in realizing I don't have to impress anyone. I don't have to have the newest this or that to impress anybody. We all like nice things, I get that. But there's such a freedom in realizing there's so much more to life than just stuff. You follow me this morning. But think about this idea of giving. Let's look at James in chapter 1. The apostle James here, he's describing the character of God. 
Now, what's interesting about this is these apostles were all Jews, right? Jewish boys. And they had to find this way of transitioning from an old covenant into a new covenant, a new agreement, a new way of thinking about themselves, others, and God, right? So as they're transitioning, they're beginning to see things differently because the law would say certain things about God, about themselves, about how their conduct should be. And the law was beautiful. It was. We're not antinomian by any stretch of the imagination, but I do believe that the law is summed up in love. And now the law of love, the royal law of love, is sown into our hearts. It's not on tablets of stone. That's beautiful. It's real relationship. It's real life, right? But as we go through the Old Testament into the New Testament, we begin to see the character of God take shape. Now, we saw it in types and shadows in the Old Covenant, right? But here, we have the Apostle James. He's describing God's character as a liberal giver. For instance, when he talks about needing wisdom in any situation, he says, just ask God. And look what he says in James 1.5. If any of you lacks wisdom, what should we do? Let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without what? Reproach. And look at this, and it will be given to him. Now listen, I know that he's not talking about finances or money. He's talking about wisdom. But I will say this, if the character of God is to give liberally when it comes to wisdom, I think that's his character in all things. How about you? I know for me, even as a father, again, paradigm shift, as a father, my goal is always to bless my children as liberally as I can. There's times where I have to even hand out discipline or take things away, and it literally hurts me to have to do that because I don't want to in those situations. But as a human father, I understand if I, maybe I take this electronic away, they can get their focus back and then they won't get in trouble, right? So there's things there. But my heart is always to give liberally and over the top and do the best. I want that wow factor. I want their eyes to light up and they're like, dad, you're so awesome. Mom, you rock, right? All of us as parents, that's our heart. How much more heavenly father? But look at this. The first thing that I want us to see is, is in this scripture is it says that God gives to who? Class participation. Who? All. That alone will rock some people's worlds. That God's desire is to give liberally to all. Well, I thought you had to measure up a certain point. We're sons and daughters of God. I may not do all the right things all the time, but I'm still a son. You're still his daughter. You're still a son. Does this make sense? And so it says to all, but look at this. He gives how? Liberally. This word literally means, in the Greek, it means bountifully. He wants to give liberally and bountifully and without reproach. That word reproach means shame. Think about that. God doesn't shame when he gives. He doesn't make you feel bad about, okay, I guess you couldn't do it on your own, so here you go. No, he wants to give as a father, as a mother, as that parent type. He wants to give to us liberally without shame. That is his heart. This is how we're created. Think about that. It's in us to do the exact same thing, to be generous, to give liberally or bountifully, and to give without reproach or without shame. But then Paul tells us in 1 Timothy 6.10, he says, for the love of money 
is the root of all kinds of evil. How many have heard this before? How many have heard it misquoted? Money is the root of all evil. And you're like, no, 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 no. Money's not the root of all evil. It's the love of money. When you attach your affection and your love to money, that's when evil happens. It's not when you have money. If that was the case, it's like, get rid of it. Don't let it touch me, <laughs> right? But the truth is, it's the love of money. He says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Look at this. For which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now, when he says the root of all kinds of evil or evil, this word evil in the Greek, it literally means labors, annoyances, and hardships. The definition goes on to say it's a mode of thinking, feeling, and acting. So the love of this money will bring you to a place of labor, annoyances, and hardships. It will get you to think, feel, and act in a way that's outside of the kingdom. Remember we talked earlier about the ditch? It's when you've fallen in the ditch and you can't see up from down and you're not sure how to function. This is what it happens. This is what happens. It doesn't bring true joy. Listen, if we think that, that money will fix every single problem that we have, then we will trade our freedom for a chance to get more of it. And people have. People have sacrificed their children and relationships and families for what? The pursuit of more money. So I know it's a, it's a tricky thing to say, okay, how do I navigate this? There's an opportunity where I can go and make more money. And, and I'm not saying I'm against that. Listen, we, at the end of the day, you have to follow Holy Spirit for yourself. What is Holy Spirit saying in this time? Should you take all the overtime? Maybe for this season you should because you're like, you know what? I'm getting out of debt. I'm getting my family in a better situation. I want to invest some money. You sit down, you discuss maybe with your spouse, say, hey, for the next six months, I'm taking this overtime. We're going to get some things together. But you have a plan. But some people, I mean, even... I mean, I've seen the children of pastors and ministers sacrificed on the altar of ministry. I want to gain more followers. I want to have more success. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but it's the motivation. It's just making sense. The love of money brings labors, annoyances, and hardships. And we could even say this, if we're talking about the three T's, we could say the love of time brings labor, annoyances, and hardships. I mean, I'll just be honest with you. As a pastor, there's some Sundays where, I mean, this morning I was like, you know what, we're going in. I love doing this. This is great. But honestly, and I know, I know there's a pandemic at hand. I know there's different things. But can I just be honest with you? There's times where I'm like, it's the same four to six people that are running everything. And there's just some people who don't show up. And we provide the online. We're glad you're here with us. But it's, it's more than just getting a good message or some worship. Man, I didn't even mean to go here this morning. But it just it puts more pressure on others to do. And, and you know what? I've never heard anyone complain. No one complains about it. I guess I'm just being honest and real that sometimes I'm like, man, bless those six people that clean the church and make sure that the sound system's on and the live stream's going and they're taking temperatures because if that didn't happen, we would not have service here and we wouldn't have it there. 
And so maybe time is a thing that we've taken advantage of to the point where we don't have time for others. Oh, pastor, were you going to go there? Didn't plan on it. But, but you love me and I love you and you know that. And again, this isn't for anyone specific. If you're someone who's like, I just, I can't be there. I've got health things. I get all that. But if you have the opportunity to be here and put your hand to something and you've normally volunteered, some of the volunteers here could have a little break and it would be awesome. So the love of money, the love of talent, that's a big one, right? I love my talent so much. I'm going to develop for myself. I'm going to use it for myself. People have done that. I've done that in the past. I'm going to be a rock star. I'm going to be in the biggest band that ever lived. And I had an opportunity to tour the world and do a lot of things. But you know what? It was never as fulfilling as my relationship with Heavenly Father. It just wasn't. And so we have all these different choices that we can make in life. See, Jesus and the apostles, they aren't saying that you can't have money, you can't have extra time, you can't have your talent. They're simply saying, don't let these things have you. Don't let them rule. Don't let them dictate how you spend your time, your talent, and your treasure. I remember the story of Alexander the Great. He was going through town, you know, with... You know, anyone who's, who's royalty or of authority, when they go through a town, they usually have their entourage, right? People that clear the crowds as they're coming through. And he comes up to this beggar. And he reaches into his bag of gold coins and he pulls out several gold coins and gives them to this beggar. Well, of course, he has an advisor there next to him and the advisor looks at him and he asks this question. He says, your majesty... A handful of small copper coins would have surely been more than enough for this beggar's humble need. In other words, why did you reach into the gold bag? You could have just reached into the copper bag, meaning less money, because he's a beggar. He doesn't live your lifestyle. Why would you give him so much? This is how Alexander the Great responded. He says, yes, a few copper coins would have suited this sad beggar's needs. Listen to this. But gold coins suit Alexander's giving. Now listen, I'm not saying that Alexander the Great is the best example for everything in your day-to-day life. <laughs> okay? So don't go, Alexander the Great, the new Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. But, but I read this and I think to myself, what if we took this example when it came to giving? We could come to a point where our giving would suit who we are in Christ, the level of generosity that he's instilled in us. Not necessarily, you know, just the need of someone or how much they need, but going above and beyond. In other words, we become generous givers who give just like our Heavenly Father and how he gives. And how does he give? Liberally, without shame. That story sticks with me. I think about situations and I believe that Holy Spirit is always leading us to do more and go above and beyond, right? If someone needs gas in their car, it's like, well, here's gas and some grocery money. I mean, there, there's so many opportunities where we can make this real, where we can actually flesh this out in real life. But when you're generous, you're always for looking for ways to give and go above and beyond to bless those around you. And there's such a freedom in being generous. 
I know years and years, it's been so many years, babe, probably before we were even married, where, you know, week to week, I wasn't sure, am I going to give this week? I've got these bills. And it was always a struggle about, well, if I don't, if I don't give this percentage to God, then he's not going to bless me. And, and then, of course, I awoke to the reality that we are blessed with all things for life and godliness in Christ Jesus. It's about Jesus, not me. It's not about percentages anyway, because the tithe was somewhere between 23 and 33% anyway. And most people say it's 10 and they've got that wrong. So it's not about percentages. It's about a heart motive. If there's a single mom who makes $15,000 a year and has three children, 10% is a lot of money, folks. And I'm not saying they can and they can't trust God. But the fact that they can even give sometimes is a miracle in and of itself. And I believe that God does honor that. And we've had moments in our life where we felt like, you know, we're going to give, we call it sacrificially. We're going to give above and beyond. We feel like we need to do this, but it wasn't because we felt obligated or manipulated to do it. It was a point where we felt Holy Spirit was saying, will you take this opportunity to step out in faith and allow me to be your source in God, not the money? Does that make sense? So Pastor Andy isn't saying, right now, the Lord's telling me 1100 No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that stuff because that's manipulating. But what is it that you can do when it comes to time, talent, and treasure? And what is it that Holy Spirit is asking you to do? Because my main point is there's such a freedom in being generous. We've given in those situations and we actually felt freedom. Like, you know what? This didn't have me. I actually had the control. I could make the decision with my spouse and Holy Spirit to make this choice to give, and we did, and it brought such freedom. And God has taken care of us. He's always been faithful. Sometimes right down the last minute you're thinking, but he's always been faithful. Amen? But that's really what we're talking about today. We're talking about generosity. I think for a lot of us, we've probably already answered the question to give or not to give, but... What is more important is the how and the why that we give. Or I could say the motivation for us giving. As we kind of round this down today, it makes me think about the story of the Macedonians. It's really the perfect scenario or the perfect time to talk about this story. I mean, there's a lot of people who are struggling right now with everything that that we're going through. I mean, really struggling, and some really struggling financially. There's been so many people that have been put down to the poverty level in the last six months. It's just, it's breathtaking. And so I get it. People are struggling. And I want you to understand my heart. I would never try to manipulate money out of anyone. I would never try to, you know, get more for my gain or the church's gain. That is not my heart. Giving has got to be something that you decide in your heart, and it's between you and Holy Spirit. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we see here that the Macedonian churches were going through some tough times. Now, the church was not one of the richest churches. It was one of the poorest churches in all of the churches there in Asia Minor, the Macedonians. And so Paul even actually references to this. He says that they're going through a severe trial. They're going through extreme poverty. They had almost nothing to spare, and yet they gave generously. Paul says they gave generously even beyond their ability. Now think about this. Because what was it that they were giving to? What were the Macedonians giving to, and why were they giving? Well, church historians tell us that in it was somewhere in the first part of the first century, right around 45 AD, there was a severe famine that came through and affected the area of Jerusalem. 
And so you've got all these people who were going through severe poverty. They had nothing to eat. And these were, by the way, Jewish believers. Say Jewish believers. I want us to get this. I want us to kind of be there with them and sense what's going on. So Paul, who, by the way, was the apostle to the Gentiles, he went to the churches that he had planted all through the Greek world, and he asked the members, he said, listen, guys, there's a situation going on right now in Jerusalem. Our Jewish brothers and our Jewish sisters are suffering. What can we do to relieve their pain? Now, first of all, I want us to think about this for a minute, because if you know anything about the first century, you would understand that Jews and Gentiles did not get along. The Jews, first of all, thought that they were better than the Gentiles. They referred to them as, you know, dogs, Gentile dogs. I mean, they had all these different racist names for them. There was a sense of... Um, um, animosity and, and just, um, you know, this issue between them where they would fight and they would, you know, bicker and they would have issue with each other. One thought they were better than the other. So the very fact that Paul was going to Greek people and saying, let's bless our brothers and sisters. He didn't just say the Jewish people. He said, brothers and sisters, this is huge. Are you getting a sense of this? The gravity of what's going on. So when Paul says this, it says that the Macedonians, they, they actually saw their brothers and sisters in Christ being faced with even a greater affliction than they were. Now, they were already going through severe poverty themselves, but they looked at their Jewish brothers and sisters in Jerusalem and said, you know what? They have a greater affliction than we do. Isn't that wild? Their hearts were moved with compassion. Who does that sound like? Jesus See, this is the cool thing about Jesus in the kingdom. When Jesus preached the kingdom, it was a kingdom or a place that we live where there is no us and them. There is no segregation. There is no separation. In fact, God's character is not about separation. It's about unification. It's about being together one in spirit, the body of Christ, all together. Jewish, Greek, male, female, slave, free, male, female, all of them together. And so Jesus was trying to dismantle this system, which, let's be honest, we still live in systems like this today, don't we? An us and them mentality. And it's so hard sometimes to root out indoctrination in ways that we've just been raised and ways that we've seen things, not understanding other cultures and races and people groups. That's why it's important that we try to understand, we try to empathize, hear the story, because I, I believe it gets us closer to walking out a life that would look more like Jesus. We at least can understand people and where they're coming from. We take time to do these things. So again, the Macedonians, they saw their brothers and sisters in Christ. They, they were suffering. And so they were moved with compassion and they gave everything they could. You know what? They, they gave even more than they could afford. I'm not saying that we have to do this, but I want us to see what the love of God does in our hearts. It just moves us to this place where we're so generous. We're like, what can I do? I'll do as much as I possibly can. Do you see this? See, love motivated them to help those in need even though they were in need themselves. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 9, I want to read a few scriptures here just to get a feel for this. 
Paul says, remember, a stingy planter gets a stingy crop. A lavish planter gets a lavish crop. I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your own mind what you will give. Now, already, the way that the Apostle Paul tells us to give is completely different than what some of us have grown up with or heard, right? What's he say? He says, I want each of you to take plenty of time to think this over and make up your what? Own mind what you will give. Isn't it so cool that, you know, I know we hear a lot about do you trust God, but do you trust God, but do you realize that God actually trusts you? That just, that just blows my mind sometimes to think he's going, I trust you. You hear my voice? I've taught you well, son. I've taught you well, daughter. Uh, you know that I'm all about generosity, so let's, let's work this out, and what are we going to do? He says, that will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting. See, when you purpose something in your heart and you're talking to the Holy Spirit about it and you know that you know, even if someone has a sob story, they're trying to twist your arm, you can see right through it. You're like, well, you know, but as far as the Holy Spirit and I are concerned, we already know what we're going to do. Isn't that awesome to have that freedom? But look at this. He said, God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. This is how you delight in the giving. When you've made up your own mind between you and the Holy Spirit, and you know this is, this is what we're going to do. And sometimes it's like, yeah, this is cool. We're going to do it. Other times it's like, whoa, that's a little sacrificial. But you know what? You know what? I trust you, Holy Spirit. Let's do this. Just those opportunities. Look at verse 8. God can pour on the blessings in astonishing ways so that when you're ready for anything and everything, more than just ready to do what needs to be done, as one psalmist put it. So in other words, he'll pour out so much on you that you're blessed to be a what? Blessing. We say that all the time. But look at the psalmist here. It says, he throws caution to the winds, giving to the needy and reckless abandon. His right living, right giving ways never run out, never wear out. This most generous God who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meals is more than what? Extravagant with you. He gives you something you can then give away which grows into full form lives, robust in God, wealthy in every way so that you can be generous in every way. Doing what? Producing with us great praise to God. At the end of the day, you can go, glory to God. He's blessed me so I can be a blessing. And let me say, this isn't just in church. Listen, we appreciate the giving. It allows us to have a building and do online services and do, do all the stuff we do and eventually get back into the local community and help there. We've kind of been you know, shut out from that. I get that. And that's great. But it doesn't stop there. If you call this home and you believe in it, then give to it. Why not? But man, we should always be looking for opportunities to give time and talent and treasure to those around us. And sometimes we just don't see the need. And it's not because we don't want to. We get so wrapped up in the day-to-day, -day, we just can't see the need. I've been there. Look at this in verse 12. Carrying out this social relief work, he's talking about giving to the Jewish brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. He says, carrying out this social relief work involves far more than helping meet the bare needs of poor Christians. It also produces abundant and bountiful thanksgivings to God. This relief offering is a prod to live at your very best, showing your gratitude to God by being openly obedient to the plain meaning of the message of Christ. You show your gratitude through your generous offerings to your needy brothers and sisters and really toward everyone. Meanwhile, moved by the extravagance of God in your lives, they'll respond by praying for you in passionate intercession for whatever you need. 
Thank God for this gift, his gift. No language can praise it enough. What's beautiful about this portion of scripture, it's not just telling us how to give. It's showing us the result of what that giving does. Can you see how it brings us together closer? That there's actually a network of people that care for us. There's a family, that there's this unity. And I would just love to see more and more of this in the church. It goes beyond you know, racial and denominational barriers. It should anyway if it's kingdom. Kingdom doesn't see all that. It celebrates diversity. It celebrates where each person is. But can you see that there's this unity that, that our heart is always in such a state of generosity that we're looking for, how can I help? It's really what it comes down to. That's what we're talking about today. It's a generous heart. I believe all of us desire to be gracious and generous because it's built in. So to give or not to give, that is the question. And I believe the answer is yes. But what is your portion? What is your part? Don't feel, you know, manipulated or, or compelled or arm twisted. But what is it? I often say this. You should always ask Holy Spirit what it is you should give. And a friend of mine said, is that my wife? <laughs> maybe. But, but I'm just being funny or maybe not so funny. But my point is we should always ask Holy Spirit. And I really don't. I really don't hear the Holy Spirit saying to us, no, don't, don't give at all, ever. There may be times, we've had times, it's very rare. We felt it was okay to take care of some other needs and do some stuff. But I would say 99.9% .9 of the time, we're always giving and looking for opportunities in the local church and outside. Always looking for opportunities to help people out. And there are times where I wish I could have done more. How about you? So it's just having that spirit of generosity. So again, the answer is yes, we do give. That's who we are. So listen, find the need, talk to Holy Spirit about what you should do, and then do it, right? This goes for time, talent, or treasure. So here's the question I want to ask this morning. Can we trust God with our time, talent, and treasure and be open to Holy Spirit when it comes to giving? when it comes to helping, when it comes to being generous. You don't have to answer that out loud. But I, I think it's so important that we see that. And, and like I said before, th this isn't just about money. This isn't pastor needs to make a payment on something. I don't stress, I don't worry about it. I'm not here because of the money. I'm here because I love Jesus and I feel that he's called us. Pastor Kristen is not here because it's always fun and it's always unicorns and rainbows. She's here because she loves people and feels the calling to do this. And, and we really have a desire for people to awaken to their righteousness, awaken to this relationship that they have with God that's always been there. They just didn't see it. That's our passion. There's a passion to this. And passion sometimes is what keeps us going through the hard times. But this isn't about you need to give more. Now, if, you, if the Holy Spirit's leading you to, then by all means, be obedient. But think about this. In every facet of our life, those time, that time, that talent, that treasure, are we always open and ready to be generous? Are we looking at budgeting and things so we can prepare ourselves for when that time or that need arises? I'm talking to myself too. Because we can all slip back into bad habits. But again, it all comes down to being generous. But this isn't just about money. This is about talent as well. 
And this is about time as well. And I think right now is as good a time as any to really thank people who've given of their time. Last week, I tried to give a shout out to a few people. Pastor Chris and I actually put a list together of people. And I'll be honest with you, I wish it was a little bit longer, but I'm so thankful for those who do show up and who do, right? And even when I read through this list, I want you to realize that we have so many more people in different departments, but those departments just aren't open, right? I mean, we've got Becky and Jerry and others who work in kids ministry, and we just don't have those ministries open yet. We are talking about maybe next year, slowly bringing some things back and how to do that and navigate. How many know we're all learning to navigate these waters? But, but, and I hope I don't forget anyone, but there's so many people, when you come in here and you enjoy a service, when you tune in online with your, you know, eggs and bacon and coffee, there's so much that goes into this the week ahead, at least an hour to hour and a half ahead of that service beginning. And so starting off the list, this isn't like the most important, but just that list is Keith and Shonda Jones. Keith and Shonda Jones, their heart have been in this ministry for years and years and years. And without them doing what they do, you would not be sitting here today having service. What's that? They literally brought Mandy to this church. What? In the beginning, yeah. And now you're staying now you're staying because you want to. <laughs> and we have a lot of great talks about how good God is. Which brings me to Mandy Dickelman. I mean, you think about this, Keith and Shonda hear every single service, and then some of you here are going, Where have they been? Where have they been? Well, Shonda had surgery. We were praying for her because she had surgery. What's that? She was sick. And then she was sick. Yeah, share the love with Shonda. Yep. She's kind of down and out between sickness. And then Keith was sick. And so he has not been able to be here. And then you're probably not aware of this, but Shonda was the one who cleaned every week. How many love going into the bathroom, especially the guy's bathroom, and the urinal's clean? Isn't that wonderful? See, we don't think of these things, right? We, we just walk in, we're like, yeah, yeah, I'm just using the bathroom. I'm just sitting down here. I'm just grabbing a coffee. I'm just putting my kids in class. But there's so many things that go on behind the scenes. And so, you know, Shonda would clean, but then she had surgery. So guess what? Keith picked up the slack. And then Keith got sick, and man, Andy Dickelman picked up the slack. She's cleaned the last three weeks. Come on. But her heart isn't like, well, how much are you going to pay me? It's like, whatever you need. And Keith and Sean are the ones that brought you here. And her heart is so much to make sure that when you come in, it's inviting and the smells are pleasant to your nostrils. And she even, every single chair, they're not all full, but every single chair was sprayed down with Lysol. And we do everything we can to be safe and secure and all those things. But Mandy helps with that. And then the very fact that like we have worship and, and, and you hear the worship. Isn't it great that you actually hear it through speakers? Isn't it great online that you're hearing things online through there? Well, that's because of people like Jason Baransic who runs sound here. Heidi Yeomans, who gives you these wonderful lyrics and stuff so you can sing along. I can hear you at home. I know you're like bacon flat on your mouth, but you're singing with us. That's beautiful. <laughs> Faithful every single week to be here. We used to have a three-person crew. It's kind of whittled down. But then you have Rick and you have Katie who, who have come in and, and filled in and worship and helped out when Heidi couldn't be on the computer. From Millington, that's where they come from. It's just beautiful. Ethan Baransic, our son, he's this online thing. You've pretty much, it's coming to you straight from Ethan's fingertips because he's running everything in the back normally. But then guess what? 
He went down south for a month. We didn't even know about this. No, I'm just kidding. He's 16. We did. So then Pastor Andy picks up the slack, and I'm running the first half, and John Siglo is running the second after he plays keyboards and guitar. Let's just give up a hand for all those I just mentioned so far. We got the lovely Jessica Rogers. Look at those hands go. She just had to say her name with her own sign language. But she's here faithfully every week. I don't know how many people tune in who are hearing impaired or deaf. I don't know how many have graced the doors of Faith City, but she loves doing this. It's a passion for her. She's like, if nothing else, I get to practice. This is so cool because her heart and her life are to help those who are disabled when it comes to hearing. Isn't that beautiful? So a talent right there, time right there. Jean Gearhart helps out in hospitality and pretty much with whatever you need her to do. She's there. She wants to help. Pastor Kristen. I mean, we don't just come in and somehow, hey, what songs are we going to do? She puts together lists and she puts together schedules and songs. And when we rehearse again at some point in the near future, which God knows we need it, right, John? But when we rehearse again at some point... Uh, you know, we'll have some new songs and some new things. So it's presented new challenges, but she's here. Be faithful with that. I mentioned before, Rick and Katie Angeline. Angeline. I always get that wrong. Someone help me. Angeline, Angeline. Help us. But they've been faithful for years and years, all the way from Millington, running computer, getting schedules together, filling in, leading worship, which is not the easiest thing to do. You guys are awesome. Pete and Jess, Peter and Jessica Heist, awesome people. You see Jess right here, every, right here, every week. <laughs> wow, that hurt my knees. I won't do it again. But Jessica, every week, singing, praising God, helping lead you in worship, besides all the other things, very faithful. Pete on the drums, just knocking it down, whatever he needs. Hey, Pete, would you receive offering? Yep. Hey, would you preach? Uh, okay, yeah, I'll preach too. You know, just hearts to give and to do. And again, I'm just mentioning people right here and now that are allowing during this time to happen. I may not mention people who have been years and years in this because you have, but I'm just saying right now, I want you to realize that there's a lot that goes into making online happen and this happen. Is this okay? Bruce and Kay Heist. And a lot of these guys I mentioned, I mean, they're, they're just ushering. You don't even know it. They're so stealthy, but they're ushering and they're doing what they need to do to just watch over the house and run security and, and lead security. Uh, you've got Kay who just steps in. I mean, she stepped in when Keith and Shonda stepped out and she handles doing the offering count and handling deposits and doing all those kind of things that need to be done. Things that we don't even have to think about because you're preparing for worship and things and I'm trying to prepare a message or something for you guys, you know? And whatever else needs to be done so it's everybody together doing what we need to do. Jonathan and Alyssa Baransic. Alyssa's usually on this side. Not quite as low, but she's on this side. And she's just worshiping God. She loves to sing. She loves to vocalize. We know that and it's awesome. And then Jonathan... Another one of our drummers, so that Pete doesn't have to drum every single week. And this, putting, this morning, you know what Jonathan was doing? He was carrying a broom around and helped me grab ladders and do stuff because we had issues with a projector that wanted, didn't want to work. You didn't know this, did you? Didn't want to work with the remote control. Those things happen, but it's people helping out. Again, John Siglow, he's doing the key thing. He's doing the guitar thing. He's doing the online thing. And he's also a really good friend of mine, encourages me. So I love that about you, John. Mike Convis. Awesome man. 
He's here. He fills in when he needs to. He makes sure things get done and the security and the ushering. And he's the first one, man. He's, he's one that when I come in, if he's, if he's running the show, I would say, like when it comes to security, you go, hey, pastor, what's going on? What, what do we got? What's on the agenda? He's just right on it. He loves it. Devin Smalley. Come on, Devin. He's the guy out there getting your temperature just about every single week. Right now, he probably doesn't even hear me. So we love you, Devin. Hope you can hear us. But usually, Devin, he's just whatever he needs to do. He's running that security. He's walking the perimeter of the building. He's making sure we're safe and we're secure. Isn't that cool? Did you know that this happens? This is so cool. Al Trevino, the man, the myth, the legend right here. Straight from Texas, baby. But Al Trevino, been faithful for years. Him and Amelia have been attending faithfully for years. And I'm not, listen, this isn't just, I'm talking about time here. I mean, you guys are great givers when it comes to money. You believe in that. But what I'm saying is time is important too. And they show up. They're faithful to usher, to be there, to make sure that we feel secure and safe and things are good to go. Danny Hosmer, man, he's usually right back there standing by the bucket. Come on, no. But he's awesome. Just, just the love of God pours out of his heart, making sure that we're safe and we're secure. And, and really, at this time, that's what we have. And, 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 and it's all these people together that are allowing us to be here this morning. And I thought it was, it was fair enough to take a little time and say, hey. But that doesn't mean that other things won't start back up. I mean, you know, we used to have a cafe open. We used to have kids' classes and different things. And, you know, in the near, near future, I'm hoping once again to have those. But guess what? We need people who are saying, I'm willing to be generous with my time. I'm willing to be generous and volunteer. So maybe even this morning you're thinking, you know what? I, I don't have a whole lot of treasure, a whole lot of extra, but I do have some extra time. I mean, that's an opportunity in the near future to help out. Maybe you are talented enough, you know, to be on the team. Not that we're the best in the world, but you got to be able to play the instrument or sing. That's the only prerequisite. Can you play? No. Well, probably not a good fit. You know, do you have the ability to ush? Ursher? The ability? You know, I mean, there's different things that you can do and put your hands to. And so when you do it, it just alleviates that extra on everyone else. Is this, is this okay? Is this good? Is this fair? I just wanted to give a shout out. And if I missed you, listen, I'll pick it up. I'll pick up the slide. Just text me and say, Pastor, you offended me. And then you, I get to say, I'm sorry, and you can forgive me. It's awesome. But I don't want to miss anyone because I, I just think it's beautiful. And you think even those who come here, even the spouses that support that, maybe just their husband or wife do something. And so they're like, hey, let's go. I'm getting the kids ready. I'm going to watch them while you're doing it. You're at your post and doing what you got to do because we don't have kids classes. So it's all of us together working together to make this happen. Isn't that awesome? Can we give a big hand to everyone involved? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you so much for your love and your grace. You're such a good God, and I think if we've gone here for any amount of time to face City Church, I, I think for a lot of us, we're really beginning to understand the depth, the height, the breadth of your love, the breadth of your love, that it's it's so massive and so immersive that we can probably never fully comprehend it in a lifetime. But see, it's that love that should be the motivating factor. Like there's this point for some of us, and I know in my own life, Heavenly Father, I almost had to kind of steep in that love for a while before I was ready to step out. And I think it's okay for a season to just say, I just need some 
me and God time, Father God time, understanding that he's not a cruel dictator, but he's a loving father. And so there's this process that we have to go through. But I do believe that following Jesus, living in the kingdom, the fruit of that at some point is for that love we're experiencing to not just be reciprocated towards you, but that we become the conduit for that love toward others. And how that manifests as human beings on this planet, on planet Earth, is through time, talent, and treasure. That's how we, that's how we do it. That's how we manifest that fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. A fruit that you put there, but we allow you to grow in and through us to the place where that fruit is mature and ripe and delightful and ready for picking for others. I pray this morning for those who maybe they just had a little bit of a nudge in in their heart that it's time to be a little more generous in what you have to give. Time, talent, and treasure, those three things. What is it, Holy Spirit, that you would have us give? I pray if there's any areas of our life where we're not seeing things correctly, that you, Heavenly Father, as both love and light, that your light would shine on us and expose those things, those misconceptions, those lies, those things that we need to deal with, not to bring us shame, but to bring us healing and deliverance. But through it all, we would realize that as sons and daughters, we are built in generosity. That's who we are. That's how we be. That's how we do life. Just say this with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. I'm open. Holy Spirit, show me what to do when it comes to my time, talent, and treasure. I want to be obedient. I want to step into that area that you've called me to. I want to do my part. In Jesus' name, amen. Did you receive that this morning? For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.